Well, guys, it was fantastic to be able to be there after three and a half years and re, just reignite those relationships. So yeah, be paying attention to your own heart about the opportunity to possibly join us in the future. And Susie's right. It's so wild that you can be a foreigner and fly all the way across the side of the world and then be absolutely brought in and, 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 and connected to and loved. And, uh, and, and so perfect setup for what I'm talking about tonight. So we're doing a series called When Love Shows Up at Christmas. And today, what I want to share with you is that when love shows up at Christmas, it shows up for the outsider, okay? Or we could, and it's interesting, we could say the foreigner, which some of the passages are going to talk about. Definition of a foreigner, a person from outside one's community. And love is for the people who are outside our community. Um, what's an outsider? It's a person not belonging to a particular group, set, or party. So if you're an outsider, you're not a part of that. And you can tell. You're like, I'm not part of that. And when love comes from God at Christmas, it's for the person who doesn't belong to the group. That's the love of God. And then the other one we're going to see in the scriptures is a stranger. And by definition, a stranger is this, an outsider. A person who's not a member of the family, group, community, or the like as a visitor or a guest. And as I'm going to show you tonight, the love of God, when it shows up, it shows up for the outside, for the outsider. So, and there's, there's many ways that we can actually feel like an outsider. Um, I have a new tradition that I set up a few years ago with my son. And that is when, uh, the, when the uh, schedule comes out for the Detroit Lions, uh, the day it comes out, I'd look at all of the cities that they're going to play in. And then I check the flights in whichever city is the cheapest flight, I booked two tickets to that game and we're gonna go fly and we go watch them play. So this last year, we went to, the Minnesota, went to Minnesota. Here you go, man. Turkeys beat us. We're gonna beat you tomorrow. So, uh, but we went to, to Minnesota and, and walked in there and it was crazy. Last year, we went to the, uh, to the Rams game in LA. And I swear, half the jerseys in there were actually Detroit Lions fans. It was crazy. But man, we walked into Minnesota and it was purple. It was just purple. And so we were sitting there watching the warm-ups before the game. And then uh, this is how you know you're an outsider. So there, there was Caleb being attacked by a few Vikings. <laughs> it's amazing. You got to love the Vikings fans, man. You don't, you don't see a lot of people dressed up as lions when you go to the Detroit Lions game. But man, there are guys, goofy guys like that all the place. But you know, man, when you got your blue jersey on in Minnesota territory, you are an outsider. Um, Y'all, sometimes it's because of your age, right? Holidays are coming up. How many of you had to sit at the kid table, Right? And you know, it's like, we're an outsider. We don't quite get to sit at that table yet. Um, sports, oh yeah, I put, uh, you know, we, we get together as a staff every morning and, and pray. And I always feel so bad for Patty Horton, our, our Adventure Canyon director, our kids director. Because pretty much as soon as we get in, us guys, we just talk about sports the whole time. And you can just see eventually, right, Bryson? Eventually we all look at Patty and go, because she's just, she feels like an outsider, right? Because sometimes just the topic of conversation, you can feel like an outsider. Intellectually, you can feel like that. Financially, you can feel like an outsider. Racially, you can feel like an outsider. Um, and even today, part of K2. Some of you guys are part of K2 and some of you are visiting, <laughs> and you're here for the first time, and you're not part of the family. 
Well, I want us to try if you can. Have you ever felt like an outsider? How many have ever had a negative experience being an outsider? So I did, Bryson mentioned, I actually went and got some counseling this last week. Um, and one of the things that it did is it, it made you go back and remember some times of, of real suffering, some painful situations that you went through. And one of the memories was so interesting for me is I went to, I was invited a long time ago, probably about 15 years ago, to this gathering of 30 national leaders within the, within the Christian community, you know. And I'm like, why am I, first of all, I'm like, why am I going, right? I mean, we, K2 was only a few years old. But I fly out and all it was was networking. We just got together and this guy just wanted to bring leaders together to learn from each other, to grow from each other. And, uh, and I'm, I'll just be totally honest with you. I don't know if ever in my life I have been so rejected ever. It was, it was just bizarre. I'd just be standing right next to people in conversations and they wouldn't even acknowledge that I was there. And, and, and so already I'm sitting there feeling like a peon anyway because I don't know why I'm around these guys. And then I realized, well, I actually am a peon. <laughs> and, and so there were times where I just, probably about three different times where I just left and went up to my room and just shut the door and, and just, oh my gosh, the emotional pain. And then, see, then the enemy loves to play with you, right? When this is happening. Because then I'm like, wait a second. These are the guys that are like changing the world. These are the guys who are filled with the spirit of God. And they want nothing to do with me. Man, I tell you, when you're around, whatever it is, if you're not smart enough in a conversation, I've definitely been there too, where you're like, okay, I can't even engage in this. If you don't have enough money and you can tell people don't want to be around you, if you're not spiritual enough, you guys know what it's like to be an outsider. I got good news for you. When love shows up, it shows up for the outsider. And if you have ever felt like that, I hope tonight God lets you know, I love you, all right? So what I wanna share with you is not just for Christmas. Why does love show up for the outsider at Christmas? Here's the first thing I wanna share with you is that God's love has always been for the outsider, always, okay? Now, look at this. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, the Lord said to Abram, who was gonna eventually become Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse you. And then all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, right from the very beginning, you guys, the first time God called Abraham. Because what were these people going to be? The who? Yeah, the Israelites. This was the Israelites. This was the Jewish nation. He's, and from the very first time he tells Abraham, you are going to be the father of a great nation. You are going to be my, as we'll see here, chosen people. But what did he say? From the very beginning, he goes, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you great. Why? So that you will bless everyone. God was thinking about the outsiders even as he was creating his chosen people. In Deuteronomy 7, 6, it says, for you are a people holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart. The Jewish people, you are my people. Holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you 
out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. How cool is that? You guys ever been chosen? <laughs> like how good, remember that? How about that felt like when you're all standing there in your elementary school and now they're gonna pick teams? Oh gosh. But then if you're one of the first ones chosen, you're like, oh, it feels really good. And here's what God is saying. Out of all the people on the planet, I choose you, Israel. I choose you. You're my treasured possession. But remember, they were insiders and they belonged, but they were supposed to be a blessing to all the people around them. That was the purpose of being chosen. So in Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19, it says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows what? No partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the, to the foreigners, to the outsiders, to the ones who are not part of the community. He says to the foreigners living among you and he gives them food and clothing. So you too, right? You're my chosen people. So you too must show love to foreigners. See, from the very beginning, God's love when it shows up. And so for us people, he's like, you must show love to the outsiders for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Guys, why does love show up for those outside at Christmas time? Because God's love has always shown up. Always for the person who feels like they're outside. So let's move to the next one. Christmas has always been for the outsider. So in Isaiah 49, oh my gosh, you guys, what, what a, you know, December would be a great month to read the, uh, the book of Isaiah. <laughs> There is so much prophecy in Isaiah about the Messiah who's coming. And, and, and everybody was so excited about that. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49, verse five and six, it says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant. Okay, so here's the Messiah. He's formed in the womb to be God's servant, to bring Jacob back to him and to gather Israel to himself. So what's happening here? God's own people, these chosen people, right? They're not following him. They're, they're, they're disobeying him. They're doing everything he doesn't want. They're not worshiping him. And so he goes, I'm gonna send the Messiah to gather Israel back to myself. And then he says, and I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. And my God has been my strength. Look at this. He says, here's what the Lord says. It is too small a thing. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I have kept. Okay, I mean, okay, but wait a second. But God, these are your chosen people. These are your treasured possession. This is your family who have, who have abandoned you and aren't worshiping you anymore. He goes, and I know, I know. So I'm sending the Messiah. I'm sending the Messiah into the world to bring my people back. And then he says, but that would be too small of a thing to do. And then look what he says. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles 
that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Christmas has always been for the outsider. It's for everyone, you guys. God's like, yes, I love my people, but I love everyone who's out there. So the Messiah, so you know, your task is not just to bring my people home. Your task is to be a light to the Gentiles. And by the way, if you don't know this, in that time, there were Jews and Gentiles. That was it. (laughs) That was all there was. So when he says the Gentiles, he's going, everybody who's outside of me. So Christmas is always for the outsider. Isn't it awesome, you guys? I just love it. Every season, I can't help but think about the angels showing up in the fields to the who? And if you know anything about shepherds, what were they? They were the outsiders. (laughs) They were the people didn't, their testimony didn't even count in a court of law. That's how lowly people viewed the shepherds. And so I just love the fact that when the angels, the army of angels, this huge crowd of angelic beings cracks through the skies and announces the birth of the Messiah, they go to who? The outsiders. Come on, man. That's telling us something about God. That's who he's interested in. Christmas has been for the outsider. And then the Magi. Who in the world are these Magi dudes? I, I, I tried to, I've researched this too. I'm like over and over again. It's like, it's just, here's the, you can, you can speculate and come up with your own opinions. And we don't really know. Why, why is this in the scripture? But almost everybody would say this. Isn't it interesting that Gentiles were the first ones to come and actually acknowledge the Messiah? I think God was telling us something. Christmas is for the outsider. I'm coming to rescue my people. But I want the Magi, the people who are not part of my people are the ones who come and already begin to worship him. So then in Luke chapter two, verse 28 through 32, 40 days, if you were a Jewish family, 40 days after your baby was born, you had to take your baby to the temple and you had to get them, there was a purification rite that they had to do. So Mary and Joseph are good Jewish parents and they're taking their baby Jesus to to the temple. And it tells us in Luke chapter two that there's a man called Simeon who's there He's righteous and he's devout. The Holy Spirit was on him and the Holy Spirit had told Simeon, that um, had revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. So Simeon knew, he was like, I'm gonna live. Jesus, the Holy Spirit has told me until the Messiah comes. And then the scriptures say, the Holy Spirit moved Simeon to go to the temple. And while he was there, Mary and Joseph walked in with Jesus And he took Jesus and he held the baby in his arms. And here's what he said. Simeon took him in his arms, praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Guys, when God, come on, we have to understand this about the heart of God. When God's love showed up at Christmas, it was for everyone, but specifically for the Gentile, for the foreigner, for the one who was outside the promises of God. That's always been his heart. So here's the third thing I want to remind you of before we get into a great practical application today. God 
has always, always been for you. He has always been for you. Can I ask you a question? How many of you in here are Gentiles? Eric, how many of you here have any Jewish background? <laughs> One, two, okay. Okay, you guys are the insiders. We've got two insiders. <laughs> what, what's that? Oh, bang in the back. We got three. All right, we got three. But here's the, here's, no, here's the understanding. In all of the rest of us, we're outsiders. We're Gentiles. Now, I want to tell you, man, this was a huge deal. I, 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 I can't even explain to you. I can't, I, there's no way for us to appreciate what it was, how, how the distinction and the racial diversity, Jewish people were so proud of their heritage. We're the chosen ones. They just forgot that they were chosen for everybody else. So the Gentiles were never, they were always the outsiders, you guys. In Acts chapter 10, after the Holy Spirit came, right, and the church was growing up, this is when Cornelius, when Peter was given a vision that he was supposed to eat all this meat that the Jewish people couldn't eat. And he's like, no way, Lord, there's no way I'm gonna do that. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit just kept working. It's like, dude, you gotta understand, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something new. And so Cornelius is a Gentile, and he is being drawn to Christ. So he asked for Peter to come to his house. So this good Jewish boy, Peter, comes to a Gentile's house. And look what he says in Acts chapter 10, 28. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. It was against the law, you guys, to even be in going and, and associate and hang out and visit a Gentile. So listen to this. Okay, all of us who are Gentiles, Ephesians 2, don't forget. Come on, this Christmas, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship from the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now, you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are no longer an outsider. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Don't forget. Hey, so as I was thinking about that, I'm like, now, now most of us have sitting there going, yeah, I was really concerned that I wasn't part of the uh, circumcised group. But here's what I want you to think about. Who were you? Who were you before Jesus came and revealed himself to you? Before the Holy Spirit convicted your heart and you received Christ? Remember your life? Do you remember the confusion? Do you remember the sin? Do you remember the guilt? Do you remember the patterns of behavior that couldn't be broken? Do you you remember who were you when you were an outsider 
And the scripture, I think this Christmas, God just wants you to say, hey, that's who you were. Don't forget that. Because now, because of Christ, you're an insider. You are part of the family of God. You know what that means, you guys? You are chosen. You and I are the chosen ones now. Do you guys know that? How, How good does that feel? I don't know. It's all right, you know. I guess. So, no, but, but, but so one of the other things that was really helpful last week when I was doing this counseling in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter one, it says, praise be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And the guys I was working with were kind of going, you know, like, Dave, Dave, when did God choose you? When did he choose you? Before the foundation of the world. God has always been for you. Always been for you. And you know what? I didn't do one cotton-picking thing before the foundation of the world. Did you? Not one thing. And Jesus chose me. Did you choose him? You guys remember when Jesus said that to his disciples? His disciples, he goes, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That's amazing. So man, just know that God has always been for you. But if he's always been for you and you're one of the chosen ones, if I'm one of the chosen ones, if we're like the Israelites were the chosen one, but why were they chosen? They were chosen for what? To be a blessing to everybody. They were chosen for, to be a blessing to the outsider. So now that I'm chosen and now that you're chosen, one of the things that does is it makes us be so enamored, so worship, so praising, so grateful for what he's done that now I want everybody else to know. So look at this. God is for the outsider through you. He's for the outsider through you. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of his darkness into his wonderful light, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you hadn't known mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Oh man, Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry Christmas. You received the greatest gift in the world, the salvation of your souls, and you had nothing to do with it. He chose you and rescued you. And he made you his own and you're part of the family of God forever and you're filled with his spirit. And now what's he excited about? He goes, because now love can show up at Christmas in 2022. For who? For the outsider. Because that's what he's all about. So I'm gonna give you a very interesting practical application for today. You guys ready for this? Here you go. In Romans chapter 12, it says, in view of God's mercy, this amazing thing he's done for us, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your reasonable act of service. It's the reasonable thing to do. If God, Jesus 
laid down his life for you, our reasonable response is to give our lives back to him. And so then he says, and this is how you do it. We actually did this a couple years ago. We were going through this. So love must be sincere. If love shows up at Christmas, okay, love must be sincere. Then it says, be devoted to one another in love. Love shows up in the people of God. And then in Romans 12, 13, it says this, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Anybody here last week hear Mike's message? Man, that was a great message. When love shows up, it shows up for those who are in need. Well, there it is. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And here's your application for today. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Why? Why would I want to practice hospitality? Because when love shows up, it shows up for the outsider. Now, here's the definition of this word in the Greek. And you know what hospitality is? It's a compound word in the Greek. And it means love strangers. <laughs> That's what the word is. Love strangers. What's a stranger? Remember this? It's an outsider. A person who is not a member of the family, group, community, or the like. A visitor or a guest. So God says, hey, if when you offer yourself to me and I fill you with my love, my love is saying, hey, who's outside? Who's the stranger? Who's the guest? Who's the person who's not a part of the community? When love shows up at Christmas, practice hospitality. And what's interesting is, so it means opening your home and sharing your resources to bless somebody. And here's what's crazy, not your friends. And I'll be totally honest with you. I'm like, how many of you thought this year, I'm gonna throw a great Christmas party and not invite my friends? Do you guys, I, I didn't put the scripture. You guys know Jesus has a place where he says that. Hey, when you throw a banquet and a dinner, he goes, don't invite your family and your friends and your rich neighbors. He goes, because they could repay you and that's all you'll ever get. He goes, invite the lame and the crippled and the poor and the blind. He goes, because then your reward will be great in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Hospitality. Hospitality. Be eager to practice it. Love strangers. So hospitality, you guys, is actually a big deal to God. In the NIV, right, that we teach from, most of the time it says practice hospitality. But you know what the word, the actual Greek word in the other versions will say? Pursue hospitality. Pursue it. Now, here's the interesting thing about that word. The most common usage of this word pursue is persecute. Yeah, oh boy, thank you, Randy. Seriously, persecute? Why? Because when you persecute somebody, what are you doing? You're going after them, man. I'm taking you down. Well, in the same intensity that persecution is, God is saying, that's how you should feel about being hospitable. Okay, how many of us need to check our hearts right now? How many of us inside of our heart are going, I can't wait to invite strangers into my house? Probably none of us. And yet we're supposed to be eager to pursue it with that type of intensity. The second most common usage outside of persecution, it means to pursue it with all you've got. In Philippians 3, some of you know where it says, press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of you. That's the word. Pursue it. In Hebrews 12 and Romans 14, it says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Do whatever, make every effort. That's the word. 
So we're supposed to be making every effort to be hospitable, to love strangers. So here's the key. What has a stranger done to deserve your interest, your time, or your effort, or your finances, or your blessing? What has a stranger done? Nothing. Nothing. I think this is why God wants us to do it. Because it's the most beautiful display of the gospel. Because what did you do to get God to rescue you and to pour mercy on you and to save you? What did you do? Let's all say it. We did nothing. I think that's why he's so interested in hospitality. Because you're sitting there going, whoa, you you want me to come to your house? And you're going to bless me with this meal? And you've spent all this time and this energy? Why? Because God's in me. Because Jesus is in me. And when love shows up, it loves the outsider. So let me give you three applications here. Three levels of application, okay? Here's the first one. Just let's start off easy. Number one, show hospitality to a friend. Now I know I just went against the biblical definition, okay? But here would be my guess. When was the last time you even invited a friend over to your house? Think about it. When was the last time you even let a friend know, I love you, I care about you, and I want you in my house? So if you don't, if you haven't even done that, just start there. That might be a good first step. Get outside and invite someone in and let them know they're valuable to you, okay? Here's the second. Now we're gonna go to another level, okay? Show hospitality to someone right here. If you look around the room, how many, how many people in this room, okay, go ahead and take a gander around, okay? How many people in this room are actually strangers to you? A lot, right? I mean, there's a lot of people in here you don't know. You don't know their name. They're not a part of your community. They're not in the inside. They're an outsider to you. We have a chance to practice hospitality right here in our own church. In fact, in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, above all, love each other deeply, each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. Okay? So, so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, take advantage, you guys. When we get here, like uh, this is why we, when we started doing 167, the passion behind this was, it's like, how do we stop being this American church thing where we show up for an hour, listen to a message and go home? I don't think that's what Jesus died for. I don't think he he died so people would go to church. I think he died to create a group of people who love each other the way he loves us. And hospitality is one of the ways we show that. All right? Now, that's your second application. Maybe there's someone at K2. You just should say, hey, I want to get to know you. Why don't you come over? Or let's go out to eat. And then... If you want to be crazy and do what the Bible says, you could actually offer hospitality to a stranger, to someone who's new and someone who's a guest. Hebrews 13 says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. How cool is that? (laughs) Like spiritual beings are coming down going, hey, I wonder if they'll invite me over for dinner. You guys, this is the love of God. 
when God's love shows up from the beginning of the call to Abraham, it was so that they would be a blessing to those outside themselves. And now the church is the chosen people filled with the spirit of God and his love so that we will declare his praises to those outside so they can know the love of God. So when love shows up at Christmas, it shows up for the outsider, okay? So before we worship, we got a few songs of worship we're gonna do. Everybody stand up. I was thinking through this message and I'm like, we actually had in the service <clears throat> planned to do our meet and greet. And here's what's interesting. I know people are like, lots of times like, oh, I hate the meet and greet. I got to meet an outsider. I, you know, really, it's like this. But here's what I know. Even people through the years who have hated meet and greets, some people have met their best friend who never wanted to do this. Okay. I think the love of God's in this room. Is the love of God in this room? Yeah. Oh man, it's so in this room. So here's what I want you to do. In the next just two or three minutes, go find an outsider. Go find somebody right now who's just not a part of your community because the spirit of God's inside of you and love is showing up right here, right now. And we're not just gonna hear a message and go home. We're actually gonna do what he says. So go ahead, take a couple minutes, find an outsider, get to know him, introduce yourself and love on him. Um, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna go into our, our, our stay, keep standing because we're gonna go into our time of worship together. But um, hey, I just, I just know this. Susie, my wife was just telling me about a friend of hers who, whose parents recently were trying to find a new church and they walked into a church and no one paid any attention to them the whole time they were there. In fact, somebody actually saw eye contact with them and they almost kind of gave them a weird look. And, they, and you know, So what was their answer? It's like, we are never going back there again. Can we just make sure at K2 the church that we are lovers like Jesus is a lover? Can we just make sure that no one ever walks through these doors and doesn't have somebody who's loving them? Even if it's someone who you've seen here for, and you just don't know them, get to know them. Or man, if it's somebody who's standing around out by themselves in that lobby, come on, man. Love shows up for the outsider. Let's just remember that. And then we can bring the kingdom of God to earth. It'll be a beautiful thing. So sorry to cut you short, but you can keep doing it after we're done, all right? But here's what we're gonna do. Let's not just sing, let's worship. And let's thank you, Jesus, for loving us when we were outsiders. God, when we were not a part of you, thanks for coming after us. Thanks for inviting us into your family. Thanks for choosing us before the foundation of the world. And now as your chosen people, once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. So Lord, as we worship you, may your love, may the power of your spirit fill our hearts. May we unite our spirits with yours and rejoice and give you praise and thanks. So that when we walk out of here, we walk out of here with you to love those outside. In Jesus' name, amen.